our coronavirus is low and that our preparedness as a city is very high. There is no reason not to take the subway, not to take the bus, not to go out to your favorite restaurant, and certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. I'm going to be there. Yeah, you racist bigot, you better not take any preventative measures trying to stop the insanity that, of course, is unfolding, doubling and tripling and expanding all across the United States. And that, of course, wasn't just a random person on February 2nd. That is the New York City Health Commissioner. And now today, the United States leads the world in confirmed coronavirus cases with New York City, that city where she was, the, she is still the health commissioner of being, of course, the major epicenter. This is Luke Radowski, of course, joined by Tim Pachet, the Liberty Advisor. We're going to do what we always do here, give you the latest update about exactly what is happening socially, politically, and economically. I think we're going to change things up just a little bit in this video. We're only going to be discussing the social and political aspects between me and Tim, and then we're going to do a whole separate video on the economic news, which is just as insane social and political commentary. Now, of course, a lot of people woke up to the news today, especially in the United States, knowing that the prime minister of the United Kingdom just tested positive for this virus, showing that it could touch anyone and everyone. Also, who is it? Joe, who is it? Joe Biden touching everyone and anyone <laughs> and sniffing everyone. You would think if, if someone was susceptible of getting to this, it would be the guy who's been told many times, hey, Stop being weird. Stop touching people. Stop making them feel uncomfortable. Stop snipping people. You would think it would be that person, but no, he's actually uh, on uh, his on his uh, internet telescreen doing mainstream media interviews and supposed addresses where uh, he's not really building any confidence <laughs> in his potential bid for the presidency. He's also coughing on camera, and CNN even had to correct him and say, "Hey." If you're going to cough, try to cover your mouth there, buddy. Uh, so doesn't look too good for that uh, Democratic front runner in this upcoming election, if there even might be an election, which some people are even putting that up to uh, a bigger question. Now, uh, uh, going forward with the news, another UK prime minister, Gordon Brown, actually came out today and called for a global government to tackle the crisis that we're dealing with here right now. I'm actually going to be doing a specific video about this and Event 21 on the main channel. So if you want more 201. about that. I'm sorry? Event, event 201. Yeah, Event 201. Uh, that's what I said, right? I think so. 21. Yeah, 21. Anyways, I, I, no. Well, people, I got it mixed up with Agenda 21, which is also something that people should look into. Which is now uh, Agenda 30. Yeah, which is now Agenda 30 because it got rolled back a little bit. But uh, yeah, 1984 was just a little bit on delay here. Yeah, yeah. But uh, a lot of people are trying to find out where this kind of sickness, where this kind of virus is going. And I think it's important to look at other people outside of the United States and other countries handling of this uh, to really get a clear perspective as obviously Italy has been most severely hit by, by this coronavirus and their numbers allegedly uh, already are more than they are in China. But again, the Chinese numbers should be questioned highly mainly because uh, the Chinese government doesn't usually tell the truth. Uh, they usually lie. They usually manipulate information 
And it seems like that's exactly what they're doing right now with them saying that they totally destroyed this virus, which, uh, again, is, is kind of unbelievable. They're placing a lot of the blame on foreign travelers and tourists. They're closing down their borders as well and saying that only foreigners are bringing in this virus and that they totally dealt with it somehow. And uh, I don't think that's the case since, of course, China also just shut down all of its seminars, seminars and, and movie theaters. Uh, once again. So again, they're making drastic measures. They're still quarantining people in China, uh, as of course, we're just getting no data from them at all. They supposedly beat this thing. Doesn't look like it, especially with the measures that they're taking right now. Italy is still peaking with their numbers. And of course, people are even looking to extend their lockdown all the way beyond April 3rd, uh, since, of course, they don't see this panning out well. Spain, that also hasn't taken this seriously, prioritized tourist money over, of course, dealing with this situation, just like we saw many politicians in the United States here say, don't worry about it. There's only 15 people who are going to have it. Everything's fine. Go to the parades. Enjoy your life. Just like we saw the mainstream media run with the headlines. This is no worse than the flu. Everything's going to be okay. Spain had a very similar measure. Their first official death was reported one month after it actually happened. There was a lot of suppression of news in Spain. And today it is seeing its highest number of coronavirus deaths. Uh, in a day, and that is 769 people. And of course, those rates are also going up in that country as well. Well, well. They're, well they're saying don't worry about it, but in uh, in Italy, they're just saying, uh, you know, forget about it, you know. But but I guess I did. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm I'm Italian, so I'm I'm allowed to I'm allowed to do that. So now, what's really interesting is that uh, you know different locations and different uh people uh, deal with this virus so much differently if you look at the death mortality rate of germany it, it's it's very very insignificant you look at the mortality rate in italy it's almost as high as 10 percent. so uh the mortality rate is, is something to really look out for this virus still has a lot of unknowns we're still finding out information about it uh but again this is why it's impossible to give you a trajectory of exactly what will happen you look at the case of Germany, Italy, it's also a very similar case between Los Angeles and New York, two different cities, two different locations, two different countries, and the virus is reacting differently in those locations and having a severe effect in one and not that severe effect in another one. And it all depends on how you kind of look at this data and look at this information. But of course, some people are warning that this virus will kill uh, 81,000 people in the United States within the next four months, allegedly. Uh, but, but yet again, it's going to be very difficult to make any of those kind of projections that we're looking at right now, mainly because there's still so many unknowns. Uh, the mayor of New York City just came out recently, also said, be ready for the city to stay closed up until the end of May. And he's predicting that more of half of this population, 8.6 million people, will become infected with this virus. Again, that's a very strong, strong statement. The Surgeon General also came out and said that some states will be fighting this virus all the way up until Labor Day. And that, of course, he is projecting that Donald Trump's trajectory deadline by Easter won't be met. Again, I don't really trust the Surgeon General. No. The Surgeon General lied to the American public in order to get masks for themselves. 
while spreading very dangerous misinformation that's only making the situation worse. Trump in the beginning hasn't been taking it seriously. He is taking it seriously now, but there's a whole weird reaction from Donald Trump that can't be really generalized too good or bad in my own particular opinion. But there's a lot of different people saying a lot of different things. We have the Surgeon General, we have Donald Trump, we have Dr. Fucci, who again was on Donald Trump's uh, press conferences. He was not on Do Donald Trump's press conferences. He's now back on Donald Trump's press conferences. He's doing a lot of interviews with the media. And he also is casting doubt on Donald Trump's opening of the economy on Easter. And, and, and again, let's, just looking at the... Yeah. yeah, and let's also tease the people a little bit. We have one of uh, someone who worked directly underneath Dr. Fauci, who basically is going to lay out a lot of the dirty laundry coming up on Tuesday of, of different inside baseball and things that she personally knows with working directly with Dr. Fauci. Because I know it's my personal opinion that he is uh, part of the Data Mbo's uh, globalist type crowd. I don't trust the guy as far as I can throw him. But uh, how interesting it is, is that uh, apparently it's going to end on Labor Day. So even uh, even the virus is going to take the day off, too, as according I, to the Surgeon I, General. I, I, I know. So, right? so, so Again, we have to understand a lot of these projections. I mean, they, they should be taken with an, a huge grain of salt, to say the least. So, so we have the Surgeon General, Dr. Fucci, saying one thing. Donald Trump saying that this virus is less infectious than we initially told the people it is and that they should prepare to go back to work very soon within the next few days. So, again, some researchers saying 80,000 deaths, anything could happen here. A lot of it is still unknown, and people are still collecting data. That's why we're sharing as much data as we can uh, with you. There's also information coming in after some researchers took cell phone data, took the heat map, and showed how people were traveling within the last spring bake specifically getting the location data of phones on Florida beaches during spring break. Then they took that information and showed where those phone numbers and where those locations changed. And when you look at this map and you play the video, uh, you should see that, again, people travel a lot. A lot of people travel with this virus. A lot of people don't know that they have this virus. And, of course, they spread this virus. As there's video footage of many spring breakers saying that they just don't care, now there's actually video footage showing those spring breakers saying, oh, man, I'm sorry. Some of those spring breakers actually caught coronavirus. Some of the people are not doing that well. This virus affects people in so many different weird ways. You just don't know what to expect. There's healthy people being hit by this as well. There's young people being hit by this as well. And, of course, also the elderly and immune compromised are just getting ravaged by this. And also people who didn't know that they had a pre-existing condition or had something underlining with their health that affected their reaction to this virus. But if you look at the radar maps, especially of the flight maps, there's still uh, you know, a lot of flights, not just in the United States. There's also a lot of international flights still happening in the Western Hemisphere. So there is still a significant amount of travel. There are still new hotspots emerging. And from the data that we're looking at, it looks like New Orleans will soon also become the next hotspot here in the United States as, of course, they continued their Mardi Gras parade didn't take this seriously. A lot of government officials, mainstream media didn't take this seriously. We were telling you, hey, I would take this seriously. I would do social distancing. I would have masks, which work. The government is telling you not to wear masks. You should wear masks. Uh, and when we look at everything, again, the whole story is let's just collect all the data. Let's calmly look at it. And let's understand that there's still many variables being found out and determined here. Look at the case, Germany, Italy, New York, LA, Two different locations, 
two different reactions to this virus. People in Los Angeles are, you know, not as largely affected. Testing has been extremely inadequate. New York City has stopped a lot of its testing and is only testing people in ICUs right now. Los Angeles is just starting to test a lot of people, so we're going to really see the true effects of it all. But but as we're seeing video footage and images and testimony coming from nurses and doctors, it definitely looks like New York is the most severely hit by this coronavirus in the United States. And of course, it totally makes sense when you look at their public transportation system, how people are moving around, and just the large number of low IQ idiots who weren't taking this seriously. Uh, and trust me, I would know. I Maybe if they had uh, more man man spreading, then they'd have less uh, less of this going on in the subways. Yeah. So it's yeah. all... and New York City health officials saying, hey, yeah, go to the parade. It's totally fine. And again, one of the reasons why they're saying uh, New Orleans will be the hotspot is because of Mardi Gras that was, of course, taking place there. And of course, many spring breakers that were uh, still, uh, you know, partying and, and prioritizing drinking and having a blast rather than, you know, taking this seriously. If there ever was a time to, you know, practice being a Buddhist monk, uh, being an introvert, uh, <laughs> boosting your immune system, working on yourself, getting yourself right, this is the time. It doesn't hurt you to be indoors for a little bit. And I, I, that's well, why I've been telling people, please take this seriously. I've got a lot of criticism on Flackboard, but I've gotten also a lot of messages of people saying thank you for having uh, given me this information. I was able to prepare. I was able to have the supplies all the way in February compared to now where you know you can't even get toilet paper in most places, which is just absolutely uh, insane. And of course, you know anything could happen here. A lot of people have some optimism. A lot of people have some hope that it's not going to be that bad. I always want to be prepared for everything. This is why, uh, you know, I've been kind of ringing the alarm bells here, getting, uh, you know, laughed at and getting attacked because of it. But uh, at, at, at the end of the day, looking at the way that things, uh, you know, the trajectory here, kind of happy that uh, uh, it came out that the way it did. So, uh, and speaking of, yeah, speaking of coming out the way it is, I do want to apologize that it seems like the internet's breaking as every single person in the world is home right now on the internet. So there is an article here, homebound workers close to overwhelming internet junctions. And so of course the, the feed actually looks pretty good with uh, Luke and I right now, but there was, it was a little bit laggy. Uh, we both have baller internet connections. I have 500 megabyte fiber cable, everything. Luke's got everything all pimped out. And yet uh, it's still laggy. And it's just because, you know, every single person's home. So we do apologize for that a little bit. That's why I was trying to show more of the articles on screen. But, you know, that's, uh, I guess everyone's just practicing their proper uh, social distancing, Luke. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's also a huge question about if the internet infrastructure will keep up. So uh, I've been talking to a lot of people, video conferencing with a lot of people, and uh, especially people in Mexico. I mean, there's I was even talking to someone in Starbucks that usually has really good internet in Mexico a couple days ago, and I just couldn't even hear them or, or even see any kind of image of them. So uh, expect more delays. And again, definitely a time to be introspective, be a little bit more introverted, figure yourself out, do some meditation, do some breathing exercises. Everything's going to be okay as long as we're smart. Collect all the information, collect all the data, and then we act in a rational way. That's what I think we should be doing. I don't think we should be rushing and making major decisions, but that's just my opinion. What do you think? Let us know in the comment section below. And I think we pretty much covered a lot of the major breaking news social, politically. 
next video, Tempest Show, it's going to give us all the latest information about what's happen, happening economically. So stay tuned. This is the Kordowski of WeAreChange.org, of course, with Tim Pochette, the Liberty Advisor. And in this video, we're going to give you the latest information happening economically right now. And as we've been telling you, the economic news is going to be more severe, more important than, of course, the news about the virus that is spreading all across the United States. And many Americans seem to agree as a new poll came out showing that more Americans are worried about the economy more than they are about the virus, which they should be. There's a lot of important updates. I'll read you some of the headlines. One of them is, quote, there is no gold. Bullion dealers sell out in panic buying. Second uh, headline here, condom shortage looms after coronavirus lockdown shuts World's top producer, most photographed Wall Street trader uh, has coronavirus. And, of course, this latest headline that I think is very important, Fed's cure risks being worse than the disease. What do you think about that major statement, Tim? Is that true? Oh, that is absolutely true, without a doubt. And uh, the funny thing is about that guy who is the uh, that Wall Street trader dude. Let me go pull him up right now. Peter Tushman. This guy actually famously doesn't even own any stock. So, I mean, he w- did an interview a few years ago and was saying something along the lines of, you know, hey, it's, you know, my kids go to school in Long Island. It's very expensive over there. And I'm just here on, on the floor. And so he's he's known for having these big expression uh expressions on his face but if we take a look at you know he's a smart man for not having his money in the stock market by the way sorry go ahead yeah so uh yeah so when what we're taking a look at over here is we've got the federal reserve's balance sheet tops five trillion dollars for the first time and we are looking at at this chart here from the economic truth.org so that's our good friend john snyson's website and he has more literally more accurate up-to-date information than even the federal reserve economic database so as you can see we are sitting in at over almost 5.2 trillion dollars and the important thing about this chart over here what we're looking at you can see that it flattened off in 2014 that's when i initially thought that the you know proverbial you know what was going to hit the fan however what happened around right around this time is as soon as the Federal Reserve stopped printing money, then the Bank of Japan massively increased their program. Then the Europeans, they pulled their program out of their butt that they'd never had before. And sometime around 2016, 2016, it was telegraphed that the Federal Reserve was going to start selling bonds. And so over here, you'll see actually on my YouTube channel that at the time, I mean, there's only been 114 views in this video. There's a few thousand on Facebook. But this was a Facebook Live that I did in 2016 when the Fed first announced that they're going to start selling off bonds. It's only about eight. The, the main part of that video is eight minutes and I made an addendum to that. So you guys watch it, that video now. It's just as uh, prescient now as it was as it was back then. But the entire thing was, you know, how is the Fed going to start selling these bonds off their balance sheet? Because what they what the program initially started off was, OK, we're going to start selling $10 billion of bonds. And then they waited, waited a little while. Then, OK, they moved it to the 20 billion then the 30 billion then the 40 billion, then the 50 billion, which was that's what it was going to culminate in. And my entire thesis was and this goes back to another video I made called uh, it was called uh, The Perfect Storm is Brewing. And the entire thesis of this was, how is the Federal Reserve ever going to pull this off? There, there's absolutely no chance they have it pulling this, this off. And so they told us, so we see down here, this is the Federal Reserve's assets. They told us that this was going to go back down to zero. And so what they do? Well, it was able to get down to, and I can't really see this because of my camera over here, but okay, about $3.7 trillion is how far it got down. And at, during my Anna Capoco talk, I had even made an analogy. And I said, this is like a 400 pound, or sorry, a 600 pound person that lost five pounds 
And now they said, hey, if we lose another pound, you know, we're going to we're going to keel over and, and pass away. And so and then I also said they're going to be on their way to getting up to, you know, 700, 800, 900, 1000 pounds. It's going to be job of the hut. Uh, you know, going on over here and look at this hockey stick of a graph. It's absolutely incredible. It, almost a direct vertical line all the way up. And that's only off the data that they've, that they've given us. And so, I mean, this is from, uh, we're, we're trying to look over here. This, the most recent date was uh, the 25th. So, you know, it was two days ago, but look at the pace at how quickly things are, I guess, devolving or evolving, no matter how you want to spin this, but with the fed buying $622 billion in treasury and mortgage-backed securities, which amounts to 2.9% of all of US GDP in just five days. Now, think of it this way too. It took our country from, I don't say, you know, I hate using words like our, but it took our country from December 23rd, 1913, all the way till today. So really, actually, if you think about it, all the way to 2008 to accumulate uh, what was about $800 billion balance sheet. And now it's gone from $800 billion up to almost $5.5 trillion just in the span of just, you know, since 2008. And then really, I mean, just since, uh, you know, all this stuff kicked off really in February, it's just absolutely exploded hockey stick. This is going to keep going up. And at this point they're in a complete rock and hard place. And the reason I say this is because there's no way out of what they're doing. Cause if you have five and a half trillion dollars balance sheet, what happens is let's say right now, and I'm just making up a number, let's say they're collecting uh, you know, 2% interest off their bonds. And let's say they're 10 year bonds. Well, what happens if rates ever go up to 3%? Okay. Well then now they've got to pay out the banks three while they're only collecting two. And then they're going to be losing 1% off all of that off a gigantic number. But then the underlying portfolio would get decimated. And if you're 55 to 65, pay attention to this right now. You have bonds, more than likely you have bonds in your portfolio. Those bonds, there's something called interest rate risk. So I know I'm going to demonstrate this like a teeter-totter. So if, if you have a 10-year bond, you got a million bucks, rates go up 1%, the underlying value of the bond would go down by 10. You have a 20-year bond, rates go up by 1%, the underlying value of the bond goes down by 20%. So if you have a 20-year bond, a million bucks, boom, rates go up 1%, now I've got $800,000. Rates go up 2%. Boom, you know, you know, probably about $560,000. Now imagine if your balance sheet is into the trillions. And so you can only imagine how crazy this is getting, but what the Fed did is they actually switched rules where they said that, uh, you know, that they couldn't technically go bankrupt, even though, because the reason they switched it is because they were gonna go bankrupt. And speaking of switching rules, the Fed delays implementation of the biggest accounting changes in decades. And what, they, what they're fearing is that these banks are gonna have so many losses that they're now trying to actually change the way that they account for losses. So then that way, uh, you know, it makes the numbers appear much rosier uh, to be, than, than they would appear otherwise. Now, getting back to the other point that I was making, uh, you know, if the rates start going up, now the Fed is going to be losing just a ton of money, which means they need to then print even more currency units. But since the currency is backed by debt or, or bonds, which is, you know, root word of that is bondage, then what we're looking at is, you know, the shackles around our country just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, and then this really, I mean, it's already spiraled out of control. I, I don't want to use the words, it's going to spiral out of control. It's already spiraled out of, out of control. I mean, just look at you know the pace of how much, of how things are going, and this is this has been you know the main prognostication I've I've been making all along. Really, is that there's no way they could raise the interest rates, and there's no way that they could get rid of the bonds on their balance sheet. Now, there's implications of what this means for other other things, but the only reason why we're seeing this you know temporary you know spike back up in in, in the stock market is because the Fed is doing all these moves. But in my opinion, these moves are way more reckless than if the than if we hadn't done any of this to begin with. So here is a zero hedge article 
feds cure risk being worse than the disease, James Bianco. And what they've done is they have a whole alphabet soup of new asset buying programs uh, because the Fed isn't really allowed to do all the stuff that they're doing. Uh, and to put it bluntly, the Fed isn't allowed to do any of this. The central bank is only allowed to purchase or lend against securities that have government guarantee. This includes treasury securities, agency-backed securities and debt issued by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. An argument can be made that also includes muni bonds, but nothing in that laundry list above. So how can they do this? The Fed will finance a special purpose vehicle for each acronym to conduct these operations. The Treasury using Exchange Stabilization Fund will make an equity investment in each SPV and will be a first loss position. What does this mean? In essence, the Treasury, not the Fed, is buying all these securities and backstopping of the loans. The Fed is acting as a banker and providing the financing. The Fed hired BlackRock Inc., so you know, go figure, to purchase these securities and handle the administration of the special purpose vehicles on behalf of the owner of the Treasuries. In other words, the federal government is nationalizing large swaths of the financial market. The Fed is providing money to do it, and BlackRock will be doing the trade. So, you know, of course, you know, you got to have all their insiders getting hooked up, hit, hooked up with, you know, all these special deals. And what we're doing, this is just so unbelievably reckless that I can't even, uh, I mean, yeah, I can believe that they're doing this because usually I just default to whatever is the dumbest thing they could do, and then I default that that's what they're probably going to end up doing. But what they what they are, and I, I don't even want to use the word risk. Sorry, sorry Luke. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish, finish off. I want to add something after you're done. Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to say that they're go that they're going to be doing something stupid because what they're already doing is so incredibly stupid that it's it's sort of like you know if you're, uh, I guess you know I've used this analogy before that from Richard Fisher said that we are we are that the economy was being stimulating using heroin and cocaine and now it's being maintained on Riddle and this was about four or five years ago on CNBC. He was a former uh, Dallas Fed head, Richard Fisher. And guess what? Now they're not. Now they're using fentanyl, and maybe that's not strong enough. Maybe they have to use car bomb fentanyl, which is apparently something else. And we're going to be at the point where all of these cures are going to kill the patient. There's no way out of this. Yes, this will be good for people in this in the stock market on a long enough time horizon. But 90% of Americans aren't in the stock market, or they're not in it in an appreciable manner. That's going to that's going to matter. So if you got 10,000 bucks in the market and the market's soaring, and okay, great, you make you know a thousand dollars, but somebody else makes you know a trillion, uh, you know, in the aggregate, you know, it's, you know, we're constantly getting the chicken feed while the elite are getting, you know, uh, you know, huge in huge swaths of our money to buy up the entire world. Yeah. Enough of your, your fancy, fancy mumbo jumbo economic talk. I'm telling, uh, I'm calling it right now. I'm telling everyone to invest in toilet paper and condoms. I literally thought it was going to be your <laughs> lighters and bottle caps. That's going to be the, the currency of the future. But it, it, I, I'm more worried about the condoms and, and global shortage of it. But that's <laughs> sorry, I'm just being facetious here, obviously. Uh, but, uh, you know, one, one thing to really kind of look at is the kind of slowdown of production of basic needs. And, and you know, I, I know the, the condoms kind of uh, title has a lot of sensation to it and has a lot of people's eyeballs to it. But it, it's showing you how a lot of the things that people depend on, you know, they're you know, a lot of the things that make the economy run, that make, you know, basic things happen, those things are going to be in shortfall. And I'm specifically looking at this Malaysian company where one in every five condoms comes for, they totally shut down production. People are saying there's going to be a total uh, lack of, uh, you know, condoms, but it's not just condoms. It's going to be other basic kind of needs that are happening here because of this total shutdown of uh, the kind of global economy that just took a major pause. And because of the reckless idiotic behaviors by some that people entrusted, this is going to be a lot worse than it should be. Normal people, you know, prepare for 
a rainy day. This is not what they were doing. Uh, they, they were acting like John Jones, uh, <laughs> not prepared for a rainy day, just saying, F it, we're going to be reckless. We're going to be crazy. We're just going to go for uh, the mountaintop here. And that's exactly what we're riding, ride, riding dirty no, over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to say the least. But, but you see the kind of same cycles repeat itself. Bubble, bust, bailout. And with every bailout, it promises another economic disaster that, you know, the, the people who make these calls, they're not going to pay for. The bill's going to be shooted uh, and shafted towards you to pay off with your suffering. And I think that's where we're going. No, no, no pun intended with condoms and shafted and, and all that stuff. Might as well bend over and take the, the economic <laughs> punishment uh, that these central controllers are giving to you. I mean, $5 trillion on their balance sheet. I mean, this is just utterly ridiculous. These numbers don't add up. They don't make sense. And and again, just wanted to kind of uh, leave this off with you, Tim. Uh, bubble bust bailout. They've been getting away with it. When is too much too much? When is it going to finally explode? Because it's exploding in many different ways, but totally shut down from your uh, analysis. I mean, the thing is, it can really the, the system can can't afford to have something called deflation, and so the reason that they can't afford to have deflation, and probably the best video you guys could watch on that is the one that I made in actually uh, 2016. That's up on my up on my YouTube channel because uh, I go I have a whole like whiteboard. I go through all the all the geek stuff on exactly how they do that. But getting back to like the the crux of this question is, you can never have deflation because in order to get a dollar bill into the system. You have to have you have to create debt. You don't have to. That's just how you know the powers that be when they made up our current slave grid. That's what, that's how they decided to enslave us. So we have debt that is issued in order to get currency out into the out into the wild. Now you're always going to have more debt than you have than you have actual money in the economy. So what happens in in deflation and when asset prices are going down, you're you're seeing the what could happen is essentially you could eventually end up with no more money because as some of these bad debts, you know. Like, so if the money ends up going to paying down debts, then all of a sudden there's there's no more debt. Or sorry, there's no more money, and there's only debt, and the whole system implodes. So the worst fear that the central banks have is the fact that the, you're going to have this deflation in the system because the entire system will implode. So now what they have to do is they need to flood in all this uh, all this cheap money, all this you know zero percent bonds. But it's going to end up doing the same thing where that then in itself in the short term creates some deflation. But in the longer term, it's going to make the dollar worthless or maybe, you know, it's, I mean, it's not even going to be good toilet paper at that point. And then you're going to see and that's when you'd probably see the hyperinflation. So I actually would expect to see, uh, you know, the dollar, which is actually sort of counterintuitive, the dollar getting a little bit stronger in the interim. And then you would see the dollar absolutely crash. But that strength is actually going to be the weakness, which is sort of a weird uh, you know, paradigm to think about. But if you're in, let's say, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a country, you're in Zimbabwe, you're in Argentina, you're in Spain, and you, a lot of lending is actually done in dollars, US dollars, even if you live in another country. So if your currency is then collapsing relative to the dollar, then now you've got to, let's say your, your currency is down 20% against the dollar. Now you've, now essentially your loan now costs 20% more to pay back. And so that this is, you know, there's always unintended consequences for everything. I mean, some people think that these, this is all intended. Um, you know, believe me, a lot of these people, they are only think, you know, they think 
think everything happens in a vacuum and that they just, you know, move one little lever over here and then, you know, and then, you know, everything else is going to be fine over there. And what they don't realize is, you know, they think that this is like, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, uh, temperature gauge or, you know, thermometer and they just raise the temperature up and down. But what they're really doing is they're turning on and off like a nuclear reactor. And that's a, an analogy I heard Jim Rickards use before. And so they're playing with this nuclear reactor of trying to turn it on and off instead of, you know, instead of actually letting the market take care of itself. What should have been done is in 2008, these ballots shouldn't have occurred. Everything should have been let to burn to the ground at that point. And then the strong companies would then come out of the ashes to survive out of this. And, you know, and then you probably have a lot of home prices would be a lot lower than they are today, but then people can afford those. The bailouts cost more than if we just, it would be cheaper to just buy everybody's house. It would have been cheaper than all the crap that, that's going on. But the only reason that there was a bailout is because Goldman Sachs, they had bet against bond, they had bet against uh, credit default swaps that AIG had that they sold AIG. So they sold AIG something and then bet against it. And then AIG wasn't going to be able to pay them. And so Hank Paulson, who was the former Goldman Sachs CEO and also working at the treasury at the treasury secretary at the time, he then bailed out AIG. So then that way Goldman Sachs could get paid. And then that way guys like Warren Buffett and all. And so the, all these companies should have been out of business. Bank of America should have been gone. Merrill Lynch should have been gone. Citigroup should have been gone. JP Morgan should have been gone. And so now what happens? Now all those jerks are now running everything. They own all the politicians. They're even bigger. They even have us more by the balls. And uh, and now we don't even have any condoms. So, you know, it's just a crazy situation. So yeah. we're getting screwed without even a condom now. <laughs> yeah. Unpopular opinion. If you're a bank or corporation who acted irresponsibly, you don't deserve a bailout. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's how the world should work. Uh, and, and it doesn't work like that. And there's there, there's so powerful that they're able to engineer this kind of backwards thinking that they somehow deserve a reward that they somehow deserve to be saved the average person working their job doesn't get saved for the for for irresponsible reckless behavior doesn't get saved because circumstances change on them but they do somehow and they're the biggest most powerful entities in the world you got to be freaking kidding me it's absolutely crazy tim perfect time to team up with you uh, to do these types of videos with you. Thank you so much for your analysis and uh, stay tuned for more here on Change the News channel.